0: Welcome to the Warehouse Speaker Series, a knowledge-sharing initiative created by Warehouse. Headquartered in York, Pennsylvania, Warehouse is an award-winning architecture and engineering design firm with over 40 years of experience in multiple building types in the Mid-Atlantic region. You can learn more about Warehouse on our website at www.warehouseae.com, and that is spelled W-A-R-E-H-A-U-S-A-E e.com. Thank you. My name is Matt Falvi and I'm your host for today's episode. Today we have a conversation on lean construction. What is it and why is it important to the evolution of the construction industry? Our guests today are Steve Lee and Emily Lowe. Steve currently serves as a senior director of South Central Pennsylvania for Alexander Building Construction Company. He has delivered projects from the perspective of an owner, a designer, and a builder, which has given him a greater appreciation for overall project delivery. These experiences have led to his passion for applying lean principles to every aspect of construction and project delivery. As Senior Director, Steve applies his leadership skills and passion for lean construction to help Alexander project teams succeed. Emily inspires coaches and mentors project teams at the Butts Family Companies on their lean journeys. As a lean champion, she helps them develop and implement lean practices that encourage collaboration and promote communication. Her most recent project teams include those working on the Penn State Health Hamden Medical Center, a 300,000 square foot new acute care facility in Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, and the Penn State Health Lancaster Medical Center, a 341,000 square foot new acute care facility in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. So Steve, Emily, welcome. And I thought we'd start off with each of you telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, what led you down the path of construction, and what led you to being so passionate about Lean and its principles. Emily, why don't you start off?
1: Sure. Thanks, Matt, for having us. Um, I'm the Enterprise Lean Champion for the Butz family of companies. I've been with um, the enterprise for almost three three years now. I have been in the construction industry for a little over 20. Um, I got into the construction industry uh, after getting married to my husband who um, went to school for construction, so uh, working in residential construction for about 18 years, and, and then I was looking for a way to work with uh, larger teams to help uh, just develop uh, ways to, you know, find more efficient workflows. Um, and so that's kind of what led me into the role that I'm in now.
0: Very cool. Uh, love your background and experience. I'm I'm super pumped to have you on here, and uh, I know we're all going to learn a lot. Steve, how about yourself?
2: Yeah, hey, Matt, thanks for having us here today. Looking back on actually whatever got me into construction, I would just say, you know, I remember. Again, in high school, just loving to build things. And then I went off to Penn State to get my degree. But I've kind of had a, a, an interesting journey over my career. Actually, I, I first started off on the design side of the industry. I want to say spent about seven years there. I then was recruited um, to get into the construction side. And I spent about 15 years on the construction side and was vice president for a, another smaller regional contractor. And then um, I got recruited to be, uh, to go on the owner side and become an executive uh, for a large local health system. Um, I, I went through that, but I, I would say that started to pull me really away from my desire, which was building projects. And I always say it was also building teams that build projects. And over the course of each of those things, I was always somebody looking to improve what we were doing. I would, I always look back to my early days as a project manager and I was always that young, stupid kid that was saying, "Why are we doing it that way?" And some old super 40 years would always say, "Son, that's why we've been doing it for 20 years." And I always say, "Does that make it right?" And then he'd slap me upside the head. But then uh, when I went to the owner side, my passion, I tell people it's all the time. my passion is truly to improve the industry. Um, and it was really why I went to the owner side for a period of my career. Because I felt that I had the strongest influence. But now as we're implementing a lot of these principles and doing a, a lot of really cool things, I'm realizing that, you know, I'm in the right position right now to help influence the change.
0: Yeah, that's great. Again, your your background is very interesting and, you know, certainly diverse. And you know, you're back doing your you came out of the healthcare arena and you're you're doing what you're passionate about and it shows. So um, let's get into this. Uh, M, why don't we start with you? What is lean construction, and why is it important for the evolution of the construction industry?
1: Yeah. Well, you know lean construction extends from, you know it comes from lean production, right? Lean lean manufacturing. So it's uh, the objectives of the lean production system, which focus on um, the idea of maximizing value and eliminating waste, Uh, The construction industry takes that to specific techniques and applies them as a new project delivery process. So as the construction industry continues to move forward, it's becoming increasingly evident that innovation and lean practices and even technological advancements are an integral part of successful projects. And by continuously improving our existing processes and and developing efficiencies and, and finding ways to reduce waste that is found in unbelievably a staggering 70% of all of construction activities, um, you know, waste is all around us. Mm-hmm. So learning to see waste makes it clear, you know, like when you're, when you don't realize what you're looking for, you don't really see it. But when you start to understand how to see waste, then that's when you can start to see it all around you. So when you're able to recognize waste in those processes, that's when you're able to start to develop ways to create efficiency in your workflows. Otherwise, it's that old adage of if it, if it ain't broken, don't fix it.
0: Yeah, I love that. And you know it kind of reminds me takes me back to my days of being an officer in the military and one of the things we used to say is um train to standard not time mm-hmm. so you know you talk about efficiency if you could if you could meet the standard within the shortest period of time and it was legit then you know w- why continue beating the soldiers up and yourself up et etc so what you said kind of reminding me of that took me back into the day mm-hmm. um Steve, uh, how about yourself? How are you able to differentiate the Butts family of companies as leaders in lean impl- implementation and innovation?
2: Yeah, well, well, Emily, you know, in hitting on that is looking for the waste. I mean, and I say this all the time with our entire team and our, our I'd say our, all four of our offices across the state, it starts with developing the right culture. You know, mm. it starts with a culture, you know, that, People are always looking for ways to improve things, and and it's a culture that we have instilled within the Boots family companies. And it's kind of fun when you start to see these things happening in the day-to-day meetings and day-to-day lives and activities that we do within the company, but then you start to carry that out onto the project teams. And and I tell people all this all the time, in order to implement lean, you don't have to be an expert. You don't really have to be an expert in every one of the 100 different Japanese terms of lean principles but you just need to develop a culture of continuous improvement. You need to have people that have a willingness to try something new and to improve the way things have been done. And I would say what really got it launched within the books, family of companies uh, several years ago, we started some innovation committees. So it was kind of like a, a volunteer joining, you know, we have over 200 employees. And we had kicked something off called these innovation committees and we had a focus in lean and we had a focus in technology, but people started joining this and it was instantly showing the eagerness of people to learn these new things. And then we would have clusters where people would focus in on specific things. But the fun thing was it was allowing the people that are doing the work to find ways to improve the work. So it wasn't Mm. a top down directive. It was young people that had a new great idea, that wanted to develop things but if you think about it that's create it it starts with that culture of continuous improvement old saying hey emily you can create something new that's going to improve the entire enterprise mm-hmm. but it's it's having that culture it's having our teams that are wired that way and it, and it is i mean if you meet more people within our enterprise we're just wired that way and i say this all the time and i said it a lot of times you know because i could see this in my experience when i was on the owner side there's a lot of good builders out there. There's a lot of good designers out there that can do, deliver the product and the expectations. You know, in our industry, it's on time, and on budget. I always say that gets you in the door, but it's more about the experience that you have over the journey of that project. And it's it's really our main goal. And, you know, we're just wrapping up uh, a very large, you know, $200 million hospital. And we just had our final meeting, what we call our team health meeting on that. And our goal is to create a positive experience for everybody involved from the owner, designer, team, and trades partners. And we start to build those cultures on those project teams from the very start. And then we continue to measure those throughout the project. We do things. Again, this is a lean tool. We get teams aligned with the start of conditions of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. We have quarterly team health meetings. But it was fun to hear at that last team health meeting. We've got trades partners in there that say, hey, I've been doing this for 30 or 40 years. Why the heck haven't we been doing this over the last 30 or 40 years? He was almost like disappointed. His career is ending, and he's now (laughs) learning the best way to do things at the end of his career. Uh, Lean is very big in, you know, out West. It's very, you know, you'll see it in pockets of larger uh, cities. But it's very new in this area, and it, it, it's fun. I think it's it's fun to watch people experience a new way of doing things.
0: Yeah, you know, some things you said um, brought something to mind, Steve. So when when you guys are looking at hiring someone for whatever particular role that might be, do you do you focus on choosing the right person or or, or on hiring someone? and placing that person into your high performance culture or your lean culture. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell you and Emily's looking at me smiling (laughs) here, and she knows this. I mean, she goes, you know, I hired Emily a few years ago and it's a question that I'll bring up during the interview. I won't say, you know, hey, are you an expert in lean? Mm -hmm. But you ask the right questions that you can get into the psyche of that person to understand if they have the right mindset for lean. Mm-hmm. Emily will tell you she was not an expert in lean. I mm-hmm. probably heard very little about it when I heard, but I saw something in Emily that I knew that she got it. I knew that once she, you know, got engulfed into some of these principles that she was instantly going to embrace it. And uh, it is definitely it. We hire for people that have the right culture to fit the mindset of continuous improvement. Um, a lot of the people that that I do hire will tell you that they'll, they'll, they'll say that's one of the reasons why they're coming and working for us mm-hmm. because they see us doing things differently. And that's what they've been looking for over the course of their career. I just hired a superintendent that's been doing this for like 30 years. And he, he, he said he's been touching on this, but he wanted to get into a
0: company that was embracing a lot of these principles. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and it, it builds morale, right? you know you, you start leading with these principles and and your subordinates subcontractors consultants whatever they they see you're being respectful of their time their expertise um the collaboration part i love what you and i talked about we don't necessarily have to get into it but but steve you and i talked about this over the importance of co-locating everyone for that collaboration piece i i don't know if you want to touch on anything before we move on to the next question or not but i think that's huge
2: it's yeah
0: yeah, yeah it's and Emily, you can chime in too, Emily. I, you know. Yeah,
1: it's 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 gonna kind of hit on what we were gonna talk about next because, you know, cultivating a lean culture really begins with respecting people, right? So no matter how simple or complex your project is, whether you're co-locating or I'm, you know, which is another lean tool to to help with that collaboration, it always produces a better and more beneficial. Result when the team is able to collaborate and communicate effectively, mm-hmm. um, because you benefit the expertise of everybody's input, you know, and you only get that type of organic collaboration when people feel like they are respected, like they have a voice, you know, knowing and feeling and understanding that they're valued for their individual talents and skills, and that that that. You know, they're free to offer their ideas and suggestions, and then it makes a difference in the success of the project. So, you know, by fostering that culture of respect for people, that's how we develop high performing teams, teams that are interdependent, you know, and are able to embrace the value of continuously improving their process flows instead of, you know, feeling defeated or overwhelmed or even frustrated by continuing to do current processes and workflows that you know are inefficient and and even wasteful you know there's um there's six tenants to lean and they're all centered around the idea of respect for people so it is you know lean lean thinking is optimizing the whole you know always looking for ways to utilize all the talent and and the resources and the opportunities that we have available to us and as I mentioned several times here, reducing waste is huge. You know, calling out and adapting techniques to eliminate waste in your processes. You know, it can be as simple as just looking at one of your current processes and, and looking at, you know, just really taking a, a deep dive into that to streamline steps from start to finish to see how you could improve it. Uh, focusing on your processes and flows, constantly evaluating those key metrics that are gonna show us where we need to improve to meet our targets um generating value always looking for ways that we can increase our efficiencies finding ways to continuously improve like steve mentioned that's that's so important and then again like i said you know and i started with here it's it's all centered around that idea of respecting people
0: i love it um it's obviously what you articulated is you know the bottom line is lean construction is more than simply a tool or a technique right Mm -hmm. um and when you think about mission first and people always, again, that was a Army ROTC uh, saying back in the day, and may still use it, but people first, mission always, um, Lean really ties all that together, Emily, just as you said. Mm-hmm. Now, do, do you think um, having emotional intelligence and, and the ability to really self-analyze is critical to Lean? Oh, I would say
2: absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's. Lean is not right for everyone. I mean, we all have met different personalities across our lives, across our careers. It is not right for for certain people. And it's not that one, you know, lean is the only way to do things, but it's evident when someone does not fit within that culture, Mm -hmm. you know, because you definitely have to have to your point self awareness, because if you're going to be the best teammate you can be and you want to collaborate with others. I have to understand Emily's perspective because she's my teammate. Just because her perspective or her ideas might be different than mine, I have to have the awareness to listen mm-hmm. to other people's perspectives. Mm-hmm. So now envision, you know, I'm talking about just Emily. I now envision I'm in a room full of 50 people, you know, from designers to trades partners to owners to cons- all variety of construction folks. Yeah, Every, I got 50 different perspectives. If mm-hmm. I don't have the emotional intelligence to understand and sit back and be flexible in my own thinking to allow my mind to go a different direction because Mm -hmm. that architect has changed that. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for almost 30 years. I've seen plenty of times where it's just an immediate defensive posture to defend your position. And that is the opposite of having a continuous improvement, Mm -hmm. a lean mindset. And you have to show that culture. And I hate to share this example, but we actually have had to let partners go, you know, on projects because they weren't fitting that culture. They didn't have that emotional intelligence. They didn't have that self-awareness. And we, we had to let a very large partner go on a project because he was disrupting the culture because yeah. he didn't have that emotional
0: intelligence. And you know, sometimes look, sometimes disruption's not a bad thing. But in a situation like this, when you're disrupting the, the whole team, um, you you either let them go, or or I, I bet you see it. Both of you see, you know, members actually self-regulate themselves and drop out of the process and exclude themselves from the process if they can't, you know, uh, have that high EQ to deal with the the uh, processes that are happening. So. Well, there, and there's two
2: things that we do very deliberately with our projects. One uh, that I reference with the conditions of satisfaction, which is really just a, again, it's a simple lean tool. I tell one all the time, lean is not rocket science. It's really simple tools, but it's having the mindset to implement them. But we collectively define how we're going to measure success in this project. It's not just Emily's way mm-hmm. she's going to define it. It's not just Steve's way. It's not just Matt's way. We might have three different Uh, thoughts on how we're going to define that. But at the end of the day, we're all going to stand behind how we're going to define that success. So we do that and we do that in regular meetings. We measure that. But the interesting thing is that allows those uncomfortable conversations to surface.
0: You know, measuring
2: something that the three of us are not doing very well or the other 10 people on our team, that'll surface that discussion. And then we have these quarterly team health sessions where we literally have somebody, You know, like a psychologist and Emily actually does this for some of the teams. Bring those discussions to surface. And it's kind of funny. This is when you'll (laughs) you'll you'll start to realize the people that just don't like it because (laughs) this is having those uncomfortable conversations. If Matt and I have a rub going on in this project, it'll surface in that discussion. But ultimately, it's not just a surface that Matt and I have a rub you know, on this project, it's to surface what can we do to improve mm-hmm. that rub. Because if Matt and I have a rub over the course of the project and you're the architect and I'm the builder, it's gonna hurt the the productivity of the project. So we'll have those conversations and we have regular methods by which we'll we'll surface those and really, you know, again, back to your point, if you have emotional intelligence, you know, you and I will work through as a team to figure out how to improve, you know, what's going on there and and puts it on the table i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's Mm -hmm. very deliberate but uh, to my point it's not right for
0: everyone yeah yeah uh emily anything you want to add on that point before we move on
1: yeah the only thing that i was going to mention is when steve was talking about conditions of satisfaction you know they are and, and you're bringing all these companies together you're creating that alignment like he mentioned and and when i was talking a while ago about respect for people and i was talking about being able to collaborate and communicate effectively the the most important word in that is effectively because you can collaborate and communicate but if people aren't on the same page and they're not aligned to the same goals it's not effective you know so using these lean tools these lean techniques to bring people together and to you know to remind them of what we're all trying to achieve together um, is is critical to the success of the project
0: yeah no question about it um and it's got to be so cool to bring so many together different cultures different companies and then you know by using the techniques and the processes that you're talking about here it gets everyone to vibe right so anyway very awesome thanks
2: it's interesting on that point Matt I say this all the time we're construction managers yes we build buildings but we create a new company basically every time we do a product because we're bringing in 20 50 different trades different companies but really we're assimilating a company to build a project. And the thing is, the successful companies have the right culture. So we have to find methods to develop a culture in a very short period of time.
1: Very short. Yeah. And
2: to deliver a project as a collective team. But we're we're building new companies basically
0: every time we, we deliver a project and building cultures every time. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, I, I just think that's so cool um so steve next question here talk about something on a specific project that has moved lean forward in the enterprise
2: yeah there's a there's a few different things and and as i said earlier i mean we implement so many of these principles in our day-to-day work and we just carry this to our project and it starts with that culture and and one of the questions you were asking earlier about you know how we hire i'll say it's the same principle we carry when we're bringing on trades partners You know there's the old traditional submit your bid okay you got the lowest number you win there's the other methods where you submit a 50 page proposal and we evaluate those kind of things and uh, we say okay he's the right partner for that we implement a3 rfps you know and if you're new to a3 it's really it's a fancy term for 11 by 17. so we ask our trades partners to submit things on 11 by 17 and when we first did this, I was like, oh my gosh, you're <laughs> going to shake the uh, people. They're gonna, not going to understand it. But the point was, we wanted them to know what kind of culture they were getting into. Mm-hmm. So yes, it was going to be different for some of the trades partners to submit their proposals this way, but they knew they were getting into something different. they mm-hmm. set the tone from the very beginning. And then we would do round table interviews and a round table interview is exactly as it is. You sit around the table and we intentionally split up us with them And we're asking questions more about the person than, hey, how many, how big is your company? How many of these did you build? You know, we're asking those, but we're really trying to get into the the personality and the character of the individual. And we say this all the time, we're hiring people. And when I say this, our Mm -hmm. trades, not just the company, because we want somebody that's going to fit that culture. It's just like a job interview. Emily talked about, you know, the conditions of satisfaction. We kick off every project with conditions of satisfaction to get that collective alignment of the goals and how we're going to measure ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Another great thing you were talking about, co-location. I tried to implement this years ago, and again, this is where it's not right for everybody. You know, you think about it. A co-location is simply rather than having 20 different separate trailers on a job site and everybody goes their own direction. We build one big happy house for everybody to be in. (laughs) And the thing is, you're inviting somebody into your home. I'm inviting Matt into my home. So that's, first of all, showing my respect for him. But the thing is, we're not just sitting next to each other and able to communicate better. We're developing probably a stronger relationship than if you would have been over in that trailer where I could complain about you all day Mm -hmm. in a separate trailer. Yeah, that's right. You know, I'm getting to know Matt on a personal level. I'm getting to know why he's having a bad day. I'm getting to know that he's got three young children. You know, I'm getting to know things about Matt. Those simple little things are going to help Matt and I build this building Mm -hmm. faster. Mm -hmm. Those two things are going to help Matt and I get through some of the challenging times of the project easier. Um, It's such a simple concept, but not everybody's doing it. You know, we facilitate daily huddles. It's something, you know, I really picked up during my healthcare days because they were doing that within their system. It's another thing that strengthens communication. Mm -hmm. It's a very short, structured, 15-minute discussion. But what our team has realized, it eliminates so many other meetings because it's a simple structure. Everybody knows what the expectations of what they're going to talk about, what they're going to hear in those 15 minutes. It's not a problem solving. It's, It's keeping everybody connected with all the things that are changing on a project. But it's great. And then the last thing I'll talk about is facilitating a big room environment. Again, I love lean. We we pick all these very complicated terms. Big big room. (laughs) Everybody thinks about, you know, the physical space. It's usually a very large room, but the big room environment has to do with the culture that's created. There's no badges. There's no stripes. It's not because I'm a vice president and that person's a PE or that person's a you know, the owner and that person's a the trade department. There's no badges. Everybody has equal respect in the room. And I've watched when you do it right, people feel more comfortable speaking up. I mean, the worst thing that can happen on a project is somebody knows a, a bomb that's about ready to explode. <laughs> they're, they're afraid to share it. <laughs> if you create the right big room culture, those bombs will get surfaced and they will be surfaced in a much more respectful manner than they're exploding on the table in front of everybody. But you have to have the culture where somebody's able to bring that up and, and willing to challenge somebody, whether it's even if it's the owner, the designer, and wherever you are, you know, in the in the pecking order, you are willing and comfortable to do that so much of the stuff, again, it's, it's having the right culture in that big room, but there's, I, I could go on all day, Matt. There's. Oh <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're hitting on so many, Emily, do you want to add something?
1: No, Steve did a really good job there. Uh, <laughs> um, The only, you know, the only thought is I had while he was talking was just to expand a little bit on the value of that huddle, that daily huddle. Um, You know, and, and I think that, Sometimes it's I mean, it's very valuable, but sometimes it's hard to get teams to understand the value of it when they're not doing it because they look at it as like another thing that they need to do in their daily activities. Um, But once they realize that if you if you have a structured agenda and if it becomes routine, what happens is the people that are attending those huddles the trades the cm the owner the architect everybody who is part of you know those daily huddles they start to look at that um, that opportunity as a way to convey information across the team instead of having three four five separate conversations with one you know one trade or or, or one partner on the project um, instead, seeing the value in that 15 minutes in the morning and being able to communicate their message out to the masses at one time, which is a huge way to be mm. efficient and reduce yeah. waste in oh, your day. Yeah. So um, that's the thing. Like a lot of these lean tools and techniques are not, like Steve said, they're not rocket science, but we're we're not used to doing them. You know, so it takes a little bit for people to accept. You know, the idea of changing their normal flow in their day to try something new. But um, most times when people give it a shot and they try it out, they, they see the benefit of it.
2: it. It's interesting. You say, you know, Emily said that, you know, the, it's not rocket science. And I, I'm, I'm broken record in saying that. I had a, a client of ours ask me if I would go speak to another construction manager, somebody we compete with occasionally. And he wanted me to go talk to them and I'm like, absolutely. Uh, I'll go talk to them and and I'll tell you the the president of that company was a little shocked, you know, when I came there and I, yeah, I just, I spent three hours just sharing with them everything about lean. And he said, Steve, I, I appreciate you coming and sharing this, but uh, I'm, I'm amazed, you know, we compete against working. Well, and I said, it's not rocket science and it's not secret sauce. It really isn't. I can give you the recipe right now, but I can tell you, If you're not passionate about that recipe if you don't believe Mm -hmm. in that recipe Mm -hmm. and you don't have the people to implement that recipe i'll give you the secret sauce but it's i i'm not going to give you the people i'll give you the secret sauce right right Uh, but it really comes down to having the right people that know how to implement this
0: Yeah. yeah you know um a couple things you guys have just shared so much um we go back we're so tired of COVID 19 um obviously and hearing that term but one of the, I mean, you talk about a lean principle. I mean, companies learned that they can be efficient uh, with remote work. The technologies become so intuitive and, and less cumbersome and anyone can learn it really. But Steve and Emily, t- to your points on, you know, getting that uh, co-location and that, that person-to-person conversation, not, not a Teams meeting, not a Zoom meeting, not a conference call – i mean building that connective tissue is so critical to the success of of this uh process did Did you run into any challenges with, with COVID or and the pandemic shutdown um and, and did you see any degradation in in the effectiveness of lean principles as a result
2: i'll share yeah we definitely did and actually our one of our senior pms that led this large hospital project has shared a lot of experience with me i, I would say multiple different examples i can give you like the daily huddles emily referred Mm -hmm. to those Mm -hmm. had to go virtual for a period of time Mm -hmm. i will say from a company wise actually we do huddles as a company and we started implementing virtual it actually works better because we're touching more people but what was lost on the construction sites of their daily huddles was that human interaction that that development of the personal relationship but it's also with huddles we always say a lot of the value with huddles is the huddle after the huddle Mm -hmm. Daily huddles are not problem-solving meetings, but the thing is, Emily and I, we might have presented some metrics and some information on something that we were trying to accomplish and it's going the wrong way, Mm -hmm. but Emily and I grabbed each other's side and said, hey, you know, we'll talk after that huddle. So, you lost that with some of the daily huddles. The big rooms were limited because obviously we Mm -hmm. couldn't have a room full of 50 people uh, during that. So, I will say we're building a second hospital and that started right in the middle of covid it started last spring mm-hmm. and it was funny you could see a little bit of different cultural aspects of the two projects that i could compare because there was no in person big rooms at the beginning of that there is now and you know we were able to do it and i would say we were able to do the intent and a lot of the processes with it but it didn't probably perform as well as it could have if we were in person so much of lean is the culture aspect. It's hard to build [SSSSSF3] culture when it's not always in person.
1: [SSSS2] Yeah. Trust and transparency, really. And the first hospital had that from the beginning because we had these amazing relationships that that helped to get that project going really quickly, like Steve mentioned with with being very selective of the team and being very selective of the design assist partners and and all of those steps that were taken to really, really cultivate um, the the right team and build that trust. And so then when COVID hit, like he mentioned, yes, absolutely we had challenges, but because of the the trust that was built and the transparency and and just the collaborative nature of the team, it it withstood that you know that pandemic.
2: Well, we say it, and Dan Flickinger, who's a senior PM, says we could not have pivoted as easily as we did during the pandemic had we not had the lean culture. Again, mm-hmm. I it's something mm-hmm. proud I always say. You know, we promised we yeah. to get that building done in twenty six months, and even with a pandemic in the middle of it, we did it. But yeah. Dan will tell you when when everything hit the fan early on, and we had to shut down jobs say for a day or so. Dan implemented some lean principles. He started a a daily COVID huddle Mm -hmm. where we basically brought in leaders of all the companies Mm -hmm. to say, hey, here's an idea I have. What idea do you have? But it was that culture of, hey, everybody bring your ideas forward and let's Mm -hmm. collectively find uh, the best solutions to keep this project going. And hey, what problems are you having? Hey, my people are afraid to come back. Hey, my people are afraid of your people. You know, it Mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. But what it did, Dan implemented so many different lean principles that you know that project pivoted without a you know a hitch. We lost one day. Yeah, that was it.
0: That's and, remarkable. That's remarkable.
2: And this is when you've got four hundred plus people on a job site. Yeah, uh, we were able to to pivot without a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I mean that that's pretty pretty amazing given uh, what we all went through with that shutdown and social distancing et cetera et cetera. To be able to do that's outstanding. Um, so you guys have covered a lot of this question but I think, I think it still merits uh, being asked because I, I'd love to just you know ring out as much of your knowledge and, and <laughs> insight as possible here. So what are some of the challenges that you faced in building teams for projects that have a lean focus? And, and I guess in other words, how do you build a team that embraces a lean mindset? Uh, Steve, I guess we'll start with you.
2: Yeah And, and as you said, I, I did touch on this a little bit, but I'll say it starts with finding the right people and not just the people within our organization, but finding the right teammates that are willing to do it. Because if you have, you know, obviously every project team has an owner, has a designer, has builders and has trades partners. So you've got people from all of those different elements or all those partners, I should say, on a project, you have to find partners that are open to doing that. And we've worked with partners that will say, hey, I've never heard of lean, I'm not an expert in lean, but I want to learn. That's the key thing. You want to partner with people that want to learn. Uh, over the course of my thirty year, I've had you know people in every one of those positions I've said that will would not fit that mold. So you do have to navigate that at the beginning. You know you have to have an owner that's willing to to try it. Mm-hmm. you know, in this case, and I think I can say this the owner didn't know a whole lot about it, but they had the trust that we knew what we were doing and we knew how to implement it there and that, we, that this was going to make the project run smoother and their goal was speed to market. Um, you just have to have people that are willing to collaborate. You have to have people that are willing to share. To your point earlier, you have to have people that have the right emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, people that desire to meet the same common goals and, and people that are willing to respect. But you have to, You know, there's different contractual methods in this industry. You can do with IPD and everything where you kind of like vote somebody off the island and different things. (laughs) But it's, you know, (laughs) you're not going to always have the liberty of having a project like that. Um, But if you if you bring and onboard people the same way with the mindset of having people with the right culture fit. You can do this, and I'd say that's the biggest challenge. As long as you have the flexibility to do it that way, and I could, I could say you could do this in any contractual method. You know, you know we're a CM; we do most of our work at CM at risk, so we're bringing on partners in a different method. So, you know, we, I would say, it would be harder to do it in like a lump sub hard bid environment. But I would also challenge: there's elements of lean that you could do in any project delivery method, any contractual method. Um, it, it, it's just having people that are willing to embrace to try something new. Mm-hmm. And I would say, I say this all the time, having the courage to try something new mm-hmm. because somebody like, oh, I don't know, people are going to look at me funny if I try this. <laughs> it goes back this. to your, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I vividly remember when I facilitated the conditions of satisfaction for Hampton <laughs> room full of 50 or 70 people, you know, all these different people. And I literally had just, you know we just won this project from the owner a couple of weeks before and these are some very high level people in the room and we start this fluffy conversation about conditions and satisfaction i'm like oh boy i could be, <laughs> i could be fired at the end of this meeting but you know <laughs> what you just have to have the courage to try it mm-hmm. and and to do it
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah emily what would you add
1: yeah well these they were all great points the only thing the only other thing that i was thinking is you know it's Don't keep it a secret. Right. Because by by spreading this across the industry, um, you know, and not just construction, but to to the clients that are looking for the services, you know, when they understand what lean is and how it can benefit, you know, their projects, it 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 just helps the cause. Right. It helps to spread what lean construction is so um, like Steve mentioned about going to a competitor and and telling them about it that you know, you would think that that's counterproductive to, you know, your your own success, but it's not. It really isn't. It's really helping the cause to move the industry forward, which is, you know, definitely a passion of mine, too, to, to move the construction industry forward. So um, sharing that information and and kind of being one of the, the leaders in being innovative in the construction industry is definitely, um, you know, critical to success. Like, and it just and it just helps the cause. It it helps the sell later to, yeah. to gain that buy-in from owners or to find the right people because the more people that know about it and and want to be part of you know if you it's not really a movement but want to be part of it, um the just the more the more people you have you know available.
2: A, a brief plug on the uh, I mean Emily and I are part of the Lean Construction yeah. Institute. And we helped form a community of practice uh, in the Eastern region. Here It's the mid Atlantic COP, Mm -hmm. but that's exactly the purpose of that. Mm -hmm. Emily and I are part of that with other team members, designers, owners, builders that are just sharing success stories of lean principles. And we're learning from each other. Mm -hmm. As I said, it's not a competition thing. I I will give the, the, I will give the recipe to every one of our competitors.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I, I love what both of you are hitting on here it it reminds me when i got out of the army i was a pharmaceutical rep i started with pfizer back in the heyday i mean pfizer was on fire with its innovative products um at any rate the competition was good so if we launch you know drug a and then competition launches drug b for the same disease state it raises the awareness of the disease state now all of a sudden you have doctors really starting to screen more aggressively for whatever that disease state is um and and the noise level just keeps rising and Mm -hmm. consequently patients are being treated earlier they're being treated more effectively Um, if it's something in the case of of dementia or something and you can slow that slow that process down i mean that's that just slowing it down for six months is priceless for the family right mm-hmm. so this is what this reminded me of not that, that lean is about selling pharmaceutical drugs but i mean it it, it reminded me uh, so much of of uh what competition did for the disease state and, and guess what guess who ended up selling more celebrex because Viox came out i did you know mm-hmm. um so that's just one example so this has been this has been really cool I've, I've enjoyed this conversation um before we wrap up any other themes or maybe there's something I did not ask that you wish I would have asked um that, that you'd like to touch on or do you think we cover everything pretty good
2: I honestly think I mean I as I share I can go on all day uh, about <laughs> different principles but you know without you know another, two or three hours, you know, I think we've hit on the higher level aspects of lean Um, there. Again, you said it earlier, and it was awesome to hear you say this. Lean is more than just the tools. There are a lot of tools out there, and I can direct you to so many different books and everything to read up and understand the tools. And it's kind of what I did. You know, I, I was fortunate enough. I went through some lean sessions and lean classes when I was in the healthcare environment. You can get all these books and you can get all that to understand what is a kaizen and what is all these different <laughs> Japanese you know circle. You can go through all the terms, but it's much more than the tools. It's creating yeah. the right culture. Mm-hmm. And any company leader, any company executive, any good company executive, I should say, knows that culture is what drives the success. And there's so much of what we do is focusing on the culture. The building will happen. We'll, we'll build a great building. We'll build it on time. We'll build it cost. You know, but
0: as I said earlier, it's the experience that people are going to remember.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, years. Yeah,
0: yeah everyone wins. Uh, Emily, how about yourself? Any any last uh, themes you want to leave with us?
1: No, no. I mean, just what Steve said was was definitely spot on. I mean, it 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 just really, um, it really evolves revolves around that respecting people. You know, people people are the ones who. Yeah transform the ideas and the materials into their final useful value and so respecting the the contribution of each individual is necessary to opening the door for even more creative and valuable ideas to emerge Um, so how in the way of lean thinking when people feel like they have that value and purpose, they become invested in the team. They, they build trust in each other and, and confidence in their contributions that lead to the success of the projects. So.
0: Well, this is, this is great. Again. Um, I, I thank both of you for your time. Why don't, um, you, and either one of you can, can add this, tell us, uh, how, how we can get in touch with you, um, the web, best website to go to. Certainly, we're going to post all this when we release this episode. We'll, we'll have it in writing as well and in the uh, episode release. But why don't you tell everyone how they can get in touch with you and learn more about uh, what you do?
1: Probably the easiest is just to email either one of us. Uh, mine is Emily, E M I L Y dot L O W E at butts.com.
2: And I follow suit with that. Again, it's uh, Steve, S-T-E-V-E dot Lee, L-E-E, at Butz, B-U-T-Z dot com. I honestly, I I think that's probably the best thing. And as Mm -hmm. I said earlier, I'll I'll come share with anybody. Uh, It's MLI's collective passion is to just improve the industry. And that includes our
0: competitors, our trades partners, our design partners, everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I hope people take you up on that because uh, you know, in meeting you, it's very evident how passionate you are about it, and you you have significant success and a documented track record in eating your you know you eat your own cooking and you implement these things, and you you have the uh, you have the track record to show it. So, thank you so much for taking the time to to do this with me, and I'll look forward to hopefully uh, catching up with you face to face at some point here in the near future.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and Matt, we really appreciate the opportunity to do this podcast with you and that you're bringing um, light to Lean Construction. So thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Couldn't do it without you guys, though. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take care.
1: Thanks. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. This concludes today's episode. Thank you for listening to another Warehouse Speaker Series podcast. We hope that you found our knowledge sharing session insightful and relevant. We look forward to our next episode. If you would like to speak to us or share feedback, please email us at info at warehouseae.com. Until next time, stay healthy, everybody.